Thank you for checking out this episode of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. You can find the podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you just leave four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can follow me on social media over at pjordansec. You can email me at sportstalkfieldjordan at gmail.com. You're listening to The Philip Jordan Show. Everybody, welcome into another edition of the Philip Jordan Show here on Wiregrass Daily News Sports. And uh, joining me here on the show today is Chris Lee. Check him out over at the Southeastern 14, one of the best YouTube channels, all things SEC. They got you covered every day. And also check him out over at VandySports.com. And uh, Chris, I always enjoy having you on, talking to you. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I always enjoy spending time with you. And man, we, we got a lot to talk about. Yes, first off, the most important question. How was your Thanksgiving? It was, it was great. I, I spent it out in Big Pack Country, whatever whatever that is now, out <laughs> in the Denver area. Um, yeah, we actually got a little snow, got to sled with my kids the last night I was there, staying at my in-laws, and so that was fun. At about 20 minutes from the, the Colorado State campus, it was a beautiful trip. It was much needed. I actually got to have a couple of days without doing much work because God knows I got got plenty coming this week. Yeah, absolutely. It's, of course, with basketball season, ACC, SEC uh, challenge coming up this week. That's going to be big. Of course, coaches getting hired, fired, and also championship week. It's, this has got to be probably one of the more busier times of the year. Yeah, I mean, there was there was a lot to watch last week. I say it didn't work. I mean, there wasn't a day that I wasn't watching something, whether that was yeah. Thanksgiving basketball tournaments or, or rivalry weekend and, um, you know, even, even trying to s- stream stuff on the plane at home and – uh, you know, coming home, it, it was there, there's a lot to keep up with right now. You you miss a day, you miss a lot. And oh, by the way, there's there's coaching searches and transfer portal stuff too. Oh yeah, and that gets kicked off this week too as well. Uh, let's talk about the coaching stuff. And you know, last week when I asked you to come on, we were going to lean into rivalry week and SC championship. But this is kind of how it is now too. You, I think yeah. this is going to be a trend we're going to see for now. Coaches getting fired during the season, so you can have your guy as soon as the season. Because, like you said, the transfer portal is opening up soon. You got signing day. You got to get a staff together. And uh, Mike Elko now going to Texas A and M, and then Jeff Levy going to Mississippi State. Just uh, your thoughts on on those two hires? I think they're solid hires. Uh, the The one with Elko, I mean, it, I'm not to say it's a surprise would be not right, but. I think we all thought, okay, when they're paying $77 million just for the privilege of getting rid of Jimbo Fisher, you, you thought maybe they've got somebody lined up, a Dan Lanning, somebody like that. Obviously, they didn't. I, I wonder how many no's they got to get to Mike Elko. That's that's no shot against Mike Elko. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was probably underwhelming from the point of when they were getting rid of him and the money they spent. But, He's 16 and nine at Duke. And it reminds me, it hadn't occurred to me till we were doing a show this morning. It reminds me a little bit of James Franklin um, taking the Penn State job. You know, he'd been at Vandy, he'd done so much better than other people had. No, David Cutcliffe at Duke had done some nice things before Elko. So it's not the same thing. But point being, you, you get all these big names, these can't miss coaches, these Tom Hermans. Sometimes it's it's that guy that 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 hits it for you. And he's got the ties to AM. He seems to be well liked there. He's 46. He's 10 years younger than than 
Mark Stoops. So there's that. And I think for Mississippi State, one of the first things I thought of is it has that Dan Mullen feel to it. Hired a coach who'd been a coordinator in the league, been a good coordinator, an offensive coordinator. And Dan Mullen's the best coach Mississippi State's had in, in some time. And so I think that just because there's a comparison doesn't make it the same. But Mississippi State went back to a formula that had worked before. And certainly Jeff Levy's offenses uh, at Oklahoma and Ole Miss have been outstanding. And I think the, the Egg Bowl gets really interesting now because you get to match him up against his former boss, Lane Kiffin, next year. Yeah, you got a guy that's been on both sides of it now. And I wonder with Jeff Levy, because the Oklahoma offense, it's not Mike Leach air raid, but it's closer yeah. to it than what you were running. I kind of wonder if that may uh, give Will Rogers a chance to say, huh, I might want to stay here in Mississippi State. Yeah, that, what a weird situation. And and I think the, the, the bullet point to all this is that this is going to be tough for anybody, right? This is the mm-hmm. third head coach in, in 11 months. Um, you know, you, you were changing out of the air raid to whatever that was called that they were doing. So there's a lot of there's a lot of parts in flux here at a place that's never been easy to win, and I think in the NIL era is now less easy to win at than than it was before. So it's there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges here for Jeff Levy. Yeah, and then you know, like I said, Mike Elko. And I don't mean this in a negative way. It's a safe hire too, which the yeah. stuff going on Saturday night. Uh, I wondered. Uh, I guess this is a term I could use. Uh, did he get shianoed by the uh, Texas A&M fan base? Because it felt like that was the guy everybody was reporting, and then yeah. it ends up he stays at Kentucky, and then now it's Elko. I kind of that's kind of an interesting situation. What happened on Saturday night with A&M too? Yeah, I mean, you you rarely know the truth in these things because everybody's got. There's structural denials. It's like, you know, Philip, will, will you come be my head coach? And I, I'm not asking, but somebody else is. And you're not telling me yes unless unless I'm asking that kind of that kind of dance that everybody does. But I mean, it, it did have that feel. Yeah, it's one thing. And that, that's why you can always say the first person we offered it to says yes, because <laughs> right. you didn't officially <laughs> offer it to the other guy. Uh, that's Nobody's also- ever been turned down on a coaching search. That's it. That's it. That's just how they term it and word everything. Uh, rivalry weekend. It's always one of the most popular weekends. Uh, I'm actually weird. I actually look more forward to championship weekend than rivalry yeah. weekend to it, just because how much what it means that last week trying to get to the playoff and all that stuff. But uh, obviously the Iron Bowl. I'll just leave with that one. That's in the SEC. I'm, that's got to be the talk and the ending. I mean, Auburn looked like they had Alabama beat a fourth and thirty-one. Uh, you can disagree with Hugh Freeze and the strategy there on that play, but just your thoughts on the Iron Bowl and particularly how it ended. Yeah, it had a little feel, um, you know, the, the old don't throw them in the briar patch thing because th- this Alabama-Auburn game always ends. I mean, it, w- would it be an Iron Bowl if it didn't have a, a wild ending to it or something that happened or, you know, all all the things we can recite in this game over the years? And, and the thing was – I'm not going to say it was a mismatch coming in uh, because that would that would be disrespectful to Auburn. It wasn't. Auburn was offensively challenged. I think everybody would, would mm-hmm. leave that. But once again, it, it, it's a rivalry game. It was probably closer than it should have been. Um, man, when, when they had that bad snap, Alabama set up right there, and then that snap just sets up that ending. I mean, everybody focuses on – Hugh Freeze's defense, but let's let's give Jalen Milrose some credit too. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of traffic on the back end. He had a window about that big. He had to hit with the ball, and he hit it. So hats off to that kid. 
Yeah, and, and it's just wild too that the guy that's normally back there returning the punts, Kelsey yeah, Scott was not back there. It was Corey Moore, and Hugh Freeze didn't even know until someone brought it up to him in the press conference afterwards. I kind of uh, figured like maybe a lesson is this: don't have both your punt returners with the same number. Because then I, I was <sighs> telling somebody this morning we was talking about the game and at, at my day job, and I was saying if that guy had a different number, Hugh Freeze was said, "Hey, well, where's Keontae?" But it's, yeah. it's just one of them things, and I. At that moment, I said, okay, Auburn's in trouble. Because my thing is, you don't even have to field that punt. Yeah. Just let it bounce. And then the way Auburn was running the ball on Saturday, they potentially could run out the clock, force Alabama to use all their timeouts. It's a different situation. I mean, a lot of what is, but you're right. That that was a terrific throw by Bill Road, too. I mean, yeah. I think that's one part of it people aren't talking about enough. I think it's the Auburn's meltdown or Auburn allowing that to happen, but still, Bill Road. And the way he's played the last – three or four weeks that it started with the LSU game. I mean, he's just playing on another level these last few weeks. Well, and I'll, I'll take it another, another way. I mean, and this isn't going to make any Auburn fans feel any better, but man, you, you're, you're toe to toe with, with the team that could win the national title. You remember where you were under Brian Harson, how dark that ending was. And one year later, you're right back there with, if, if somebody gets a finger on the ball, this is a whole different conversation. I think that says a lot to the job that Hugh Freeze did in year one, especially when he doesn't have an offense up to his standards. But he did it other ways. He found a defense, and he had him right there. So, you know, we'll jump more around about when we get into the, this weekend's SEC Championship game. But just for Auburn going forward, 6-6, six and six, of course, the New Mexico State game is kind of like the eyesore of this year. But, hey, you were competitive. You had chances to beat both Georgia and Alabama. Yeah. Uh, and you go into you, – you know Hugh Freeze, what kind of recruiter he is. You know he's going to bring in better players and better, better talent. Just what are your thoughts on Hugh Freeze moving forward with this Auburn team? Well, I, I think, again, the thing that caught my eye was the fact that their defense was so good. You, you expect a Hugh Freeze team to be offensive-centric and be good on that ball, but sometimes you get those coaches that are so – for lack of a better term, philosophically dominant that the other side of the ball suffers. And, and you've seen that with Josh Heupel, too. I, th I think that's one of the things is a sidebar that's made Josh Heupel a good coach. I know their defense isn't great, but it's been a lot better. Um, I, I guess what I'm getting at there is you, you know that Hugh Freeze can coach offense. You know he can find talent. You know he can develop it on that side. And if the defense holds together, which Auburn has traditionally been pretty good on defense, it's always had mm -hmm. good defensive backs. It's been able to recruit good linemen. It, it just feels like they're set up on pretty solid footing going forward. Yeah, they do. And, you know, look, you probably made an argument that's the worst team Hugh Freeze is going to have at all. Probably so. so, yeah. Um, What else stood out to you that was kind of some big things over rivalry weekend in the SEC? You know, I, I think Auburn. Auburn, Alabama wasn't even the weirdest day if you look back on it because you have Kentucky and you have Mark Stoops, and that's been just a weird situation. Their season has been disappointing, but I was on a Kentucky message board. I think they, they called that maybe the biggest win that Stoops had had at Kentucky, beating a one-loss Louisville team that um, you know could have could have won the ACC championship, still can. And, and you, you get that win that afternoon – uh, for about an hour, he's not your coach anymore, I guess. And then, and then all of a sudden, you have what happened in College Station. He's back at your coach, which I think, frankly, that's a good landing point for the league. I think the league's better off probably having Mike Elko at A&M and, and Mark Stoops at Kentucky rather than having Stoops at A&M and whoever at Kentucky. 
Um, so I think just just what a weird what what a roller coaster ride that fan base was on that day. I think that's one thing that stood out. Um, you know, of course Shane Beamer couldn't couldn't work the magic against Clemson in a game where they were probably just outmanned. Um, you know, Georgia playing closer than it should have. Not a, not a complete surprise, given all the guys out the way Georgia plays at times. Um, and I feel like I'm leaving out another ACC game. I don't have it in front of me. But um, <laughs> rival weekend, there's a lot going on. I, I think Mississippi State playing Ole Miss closer than it should have was a surprise. Um, seeing Arkansas completely fall apart was a surprise. I thought they'd be more competitive than that at home. And, oh, Florida-Florida State was a game I was – how crazy would that have been? You know, Florida, Florida's right there with three minutes left and gives up that late touchdown mm-hmm. with, with everybody playing quarterbacks that never play. Uh, that that would have been a wild one that really could have upset a lot of things. Yeah, that really would have changed that with the playoff stuff too, which, look, I, I I feel like the committee punished Florida State last week by dropping them. Yeah. I know they say, well, Washington's played a better schedule. I mean, Florida State and Washington's schedule hadn't changed that much in one week. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I feel like they got punished, and I don't know, but that's a probably different. I, I feel like we got told a white lie on that one. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's a TV show, Chris. They got to follow the script. They got, you know, right. they got to follow the ESPN producers what they tell them to do. So it has drama. Uh, I do want to talk LSU with you. Of course, they beat Texas A&M in their game, forty-two to thirty. But uh, Jaden Daniels coming into this mm-hmm. game, he needed to have a bigger a big day obviously and then he's at, he's at a disadvantage he doesn't play next week he was 16 to 24 235 four touchdowns ran for 120 yards in your mind did he do enough you think on saturday for the heisman it just it just depends the heisman to me is the most overrated player the overrated award in sports i'm not saying it's insignificant i'm not saying i'm not interested all those things can be true at once i've never I've always thought if if the Heisman was the best player, then I mean, how many times have you seen a left tackle be the first pick in the NFL draft, or or a defensive end, or defensive back, or somebody like if if there were if if there were more correlation between the Heisman and the first pick of the draft, or or, or positionally, in other words, if a, if a DB could win it every now and then, or something like that, I'd put a little more stock into it. Uh, that that's not what you asked me, so I'm sorry for the ramble. So I guess the point being there is, I don't I don't think about it like other people do. It seems like you've got to be a playoff contender and and a quarterback or a running back or maybe a receiver. Uh, to me, Jaden Daniels is probably the best player in the country. Maybe that's unfair to Bo Nix or even Michael Penix if you want to go there. I don't know how many guys have ever had what is it 3,800 passing yards and almost 1,200 rushing. And not won the Heisman. I guess Lamar Jackson's candidacy would have been similar, and he did win it. Tim Tebow certainly was. So I guess that suggests he can. Um, I, I watch the SEC a lot more than I watch the Pac-12, so it's a biased answer. But to me, uh, it, it sure looked like a Heisman season from here. Yeah, you know, in a lot of weeks, he has to carry the team because the yeah. defense is so horrible. I mean, and I've well, well, I'll push back on that a little bit. When you got when you got neighbors and Thomas and those guys running around, you got a pair of you know maybe NFL tackles blocking for you. It's it, <laughs> it's a little easier than that, but but the, the the unfortunately it is based on your team. And if if Jaden Daniels loses the Heisman, I, I think it's probably fair to say his defense cost him that. How good would LSU be if they had an average defense? Not great, not good. Yeah. Just be average. Yeah. 
So we, we'd be having a different conversation about the championship game, I think. And, and, and that's kind of amazing because all the talent athletes and they've got Harold Perkins and Mason Smith. And, but at the end of it with the portal now, you know, anybody can bleed in any spot and they bled pretty bad at defensive back. And I think that ended up being their undoing. You know, and, uh, lastly, before we jump to the SEC championship game for this Saturday, uh, Tennessee Vanderbilt. And actually, we're not going to talk about the Tennessee side of it. It's the Vanderbilt side. Lose 48 to 24. And for Vanderbilt, I thought coming to year, especially last year, you go five and seven, you had those wins against Kentucky and four. It felt like Vanderbilt had some momentum going into yeah. last offseason. And then this year, they go two and 10. Just uh, another bad year there for Vanderbilt. Just where is this program at with that step back of a season? I think that fan base is as low as I've ever seen it. Um, the thought was that Derek Mason had sunk the program to a point where they couldn't get any lower. I mean, as bad as Vanderbilt's been, they've never gone winless. And that deserves an asterisk because it was an all-SEC season. They go 0-9. Would have been 0-10 if they didn't have to forfeit the Georgia game for not having enough players. Or I guess it was a no contest. But I don't think anybody saw it getting worse. You knew the first year was going to be a struggle, which it was. And it felt like last year, you know, they were just getting pounded headed into November. They pop up, they beat Kentucky and Florida. You know, like, okay, he's got some buying and some belief, even if he doesn't have some talent. You you figured their talent was going to be better this year. I thought it was. You knew where they'd struggle. You figured they didn't quite have enough SEC caliber defensive linemen, and they certainly didn't have enough SEC caliber corners. What happened was the things that you thought would be concerns were, were huge concerns. And then other stuff fell apart. Like they returned, I think, seven guys who'd started on the offensive line before and four starters from a year ago. And that completely fell apart. So all the stuff we expected to be problems were problems. And then stuff we weren't looking at as huge concerns uh, ended up being maybe bigger concerns than any of them. And in this day and age, with the portal and, and kids having one foot out the door and an eye and somewhere else, when it falls apart, it can really fall apart quickly on you. And I think that's what happened. Yeah, I'll be interested to see uh, what happens with them going forward. So, uh, this is a championship game this weekend. Who would who would ever would have predicted this for the season? Alabama and Georgia playing in Atlanta for the SEC championship game. I, I, yeah. Nobody would have. Nobody thought this. It's an upset, Chris. Would everybody at media days uh, sarcasm? Yeah, all, of course. Well, well, uh, let's let's rewind a little bit. It seems obvious now, but there was a lot of question about LSU. I thought LSU would would win the West, and it didn't for reasons we we said. So, I mean, this was there was a lot of questions about Alabama coming into the season. There were a whole lot of questions after that Texas loss. So, I mean, it, it feels like that now, but but if you rewind, it didn't always feel like that. Well, I will admit this. Uh, I picked LSU to win the West yeah. uh, this year, and it was quarterback and receiver for Alabama. And Alabama, and like I said, early in the year after the Texas loss, in that performance, even though you win against South Florida, that felt like a loss. Just being yeah. around Alabama fans like I am, that felt they felt like, they were coming off a loss with that game, uh, yeah. but they turned it around and look. The offense line has gotten better, I think, during mm -hmm. the year. Uh, pass protection, Jalen Miller, especially when they feature him more in the run game versus what they were doing earlier. So I think this is probably one of Nick Saban's best coaching jobs. Uh, how do you feel about that? Oh, I, I think so too. When people ask me coach of the year, I'm like, to me, it's not clear cut. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz is the name that's going to come up for obvious reasons. Kirby Smart's going to come up for obvious reasons. But let's not forget where Alabama came from. And you mentioned the sacks. I was looking this up. I think they've allowed 37 sacks this year. This is from memory. But I, I want to, and I, I look it up every week. I feel like they've been stuck in the 30s 
for several weeks now. I'm not sure they gave one up to Auburn. I, I didn't look at the box score to check that, but uh, he is he has fixed some things. He's made some things work. He's taken a situation where everybody thought he didn't have a quarterback and, and made Jalen Milrow into a really good player. Uh, they don't have the receiving core in terms of names or running backs in terms of names, but but here we are, and it's going to be December, and Alabama's playing for another title. Do you think – I'm going to kind of put you in the chair. If you were on the playoff committee, Chris, uh, and we talked about this earlier, say Alabama wins this game against Georgia, and it's very close. Do you oh, put man. both of them in? <sighs> I, I just don't think you can. Um, and, and look, the, the answer is that depends. Let's 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 take yep. the let, let's work from least complicated to more complicated. I think if I think that first of all, Michigan's going to clobber Iowa, and they're going to mm-hmm. get in. I feel like the Pac-12 winner is getting in. If it's Washington, certainly. I think a one-loss Oregon probably is going to get in. So I think whoever wins that game, that's probably two of them. And and then you look and you know it, it, back to the Florida State thing. God, man, you got so many reasons to keep them out now. Uh, is that deserved? I, I don't know. I'm glad I'm not the guy making the judgment on that. But let's say Florida State beats Louisville. Um, the optics of keeping. A major college champion that's unbeaten, and oh, I, by the way, started season beating LSU. Um, is is that fair? I don't know. Can, do they have the guts to do it? I don't know. So I, I don't know what to do with Florida State. I, I think, and if Texas wins, I just don't know that you could put Texas in if it's one or the other with them or Alabama. And, and at that point, Georgia's probably out too. I mean, I think. The, the more I talk, to, I think there's a chance that you have no SEC teams in this. I don't know that that's right. I don't know if they're going to have the guts to do it, but I could see a scenario. So I have a question for you, and I kind of tease this off the air. My question, yeah. Alabama wins. Texas wins the Big 12. Does Texas get to claim the SEC title? <laughs> hey, it's, it's there of social media and self-promotion. We can all claim whatever we want at this point, right? Yeah, remember Central Florida. I don't know. I got to thinking about that today. I said, well, they're coming into the conference. I was joking with somebody. I was actually hoping, I'll admit this, that Oklahoma State was going to get upset by BYU. Then I could say, yeah. we've got two SEC championship games being played yeah. uh, this week between Oklahoma and Texas and then Alabama and Georgia. Because I think it would be actually kind of funny if the – I doubt the league would ever spin it like this and say, hey, we're the conference with two conference champions in 2024. Yeah. But, you know, you know. The, the the one thing, if I I think I, I'm so glad we're getting expanded playoff next year. And I know Me in too. the past it didn't always work like this, but with with the portal and with NIL, it has just created more parity. You know, say one through eight or nine than I ever remember. And and you could like let, let's say for example, let's let's say Alabama upsets Georgia, and Georgia gets left home under the scenario. And by the way, that's when the committee is going to say, hey, if they want to, you didn't. Oh, they can go two, one or two ways and just say, hey, it's Georgia. They're one of the best four teams in the country. Or they can say, stack up the wins and look at who other teams beat and we're going to leave you out. But point is, this is a year that you could see a team that would be 5 through 12 uh, that, that potentially could win it based on whoever gets left out. 
Yeah, it's it, it's gonna be interesting. That's why I said what I said earlier that this is actually my favorite weekend, the championship weekend, because there's so yeah. much on the line. Remember last year? I mean, this is Pac-12, but USC winning that Pac-12 championship game, they win, they were in, and then they get blown out by Utah. I mean, it, it, somebody's going to beat somebody this weekend yeah. that we we won't see coming in these in these championship games. Um, I yeah. wouldn't be shocked if Oklahoma State beat Texas. I mean, the way they've played this year. Louisville beating Florida State. That's that's obviously yeah. a, a shot at something too as well. So it's it's gonna be now I don't think Iowa's gonna be upset Michigan because I don't think Iowa can score more than 13 points. So that's gonna probably be an issue. Uh actually if they score 13, they need to give the they actually need to bring back the office coordinator <laughs> and give them a raise because that's an office of juggernaut compared to what they usually are. Right. <laughs> but anyway, it's gonna it's gonna be a fun weekend. Um uh, Chris, I appreciate you coming on, uh talking about all this stuff. I always enjoy talking all things SEC with you. Tell the listeners and viewers uh, where they can find you, the Southeastern 14, VandySports.com, all the good stuff you're doing. Yeah, um, Southeastern 14 is our YouTube channel. Uh, that's where we keep most of our work. And we, we cover the SEC in, in football, baseball, and basketball. As I always say, um, if you're looking for specific coverage on your team, your local beat guy is always going to do a better job because we got so much to follow. But if you want to follow the league at a 30,000-foot level, I think we're about as good as anybody in those three major sports. Uh, it's Blake Lovell, myself, and we're about to officially add a third guy. And we've got a third-and-a-half guy in Blaine Gilmer who covers football for us who's really good. So, And by the way, the basketball part, unlike other people, we, we do start that when season starts. So we're not waiting for football in to cover basketball. We're doing – several basketball videos a week. And so if you if you like your SEC and want to know how to, to follow what everybody's doing, I think you'll love what we do. All right, everybody go check it out. You will not be disappointed. I guarantee it. But, uh, Chris, I appreciate you coming on. I look forward to doing this and get some time down the road. Yeah, God, God bless you. Uh, thanks for having me on, and we'll talk soon. 96.9 The Legend is your connection to classic country legend. But Digio Strategies has other options too. News Talk 103.9 is your source for America's top news and entertainment shows like Rick and Bubba in the morning, Glenn Beck from 9 till 11 a.m. and Clay Travis and Buck Sexton middays from 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. Sean Hannity, Lars Larson, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh and others fill your day with the latest news and views from America's top conservative voices. America at night and coast to coast am keep you company and connected throughout the night plus fox news the alabama radio network and wiregrass daily news keep you informed with national international state and local news and with more musical choices like all the hits 1067 kmx today's country 95.5 wtvy and music 1077 digio strategies gives you more choices and more variety listen on air online and on our apps 96.9 the legend is just the beginning all right and thanks to chris lee for uh joining me on the show today a lot of fun having chris on and uh we're gonna close it out yes i had enough time in that one minute to uh get out of the uh the the hot jacket and uh put on a shirt but hey we're still repping under armor over here and if under armor if you're checking this out and you want to sponsor an awesome show i'm your guy i'm always wearing under armor stuff costa hey i'm here i'm here for you so i'm always supporting you guys uh, just, just say it. Just say it. Uh, we would appreciate it over here at Wiregrass Daily News and uh, the podcast as well. So I'm not going to really get into a lot of stuff here to close out. Try to keep it 30 minutes. Let you guys know what's coming up this week. Got some cool stuff coming up. I will be joined tomorrow by David Schultz, host of Locked on Sunbelt. Of course, you can hear him over in 
Lafayette, Louisiana as well on the radio. Uh, we will be previewing the Sun Belt Championship game. We'll be jumping at Troy is playing in that one. They will be playing Appalachian State. This will be in Troy on Saturday. So we'll be previewing that. Then we'll be previewing the ACC Championship game Wednesday night. Uh, my McDaniel will be joining me. Uh, I've talked to him in the past. Uh, he hosts a podcast uh, called The Basketball Coffers. It was the ACC Football Coffers. But uh, he also is over there at Sports Illustrated as well. And of course, Matt Lowe later in the week will preview all the conference championship games going to the weekend. Hope you went back and checked out my interview with Elba head coach Mark Seaving off their 49 to 14 win against Maplesville this past Friday in the third round. They'll be playing at Leroy in the semifinals this week. And I'll just say this on the Iron Bowl, kind of adding some thoughts on what me and Chris were talking about there. I will say, look, uh, Obviously, if you're an Auburn fan, Auburn supporter, player, anybody associated with Auburn, that was a gut punch loss. You really felt like you had a beat, you know, the bad snap, and then you had the, the pass behind or, or beyond the line of scrimmage by Milro. And you just in that moment, and I'll just say this. I probably – now, I'm not a defense coordinator. I'm not a coach. So, this is just me, Monday morning quarterback in here. I would have probably put more pressure on Jalen Miro on that final play that they won the game on. Just make him run. Make him either hurry up the throw or make him run. Because here's my thing. He's not probably getting 31 yards. He's not running for a 31-yard touchdown in that moment if you do it right. So it's second-guessing. But you got to look. Like I said there, Chris, this is the worst Auburn team Hugh Freeze is going to have in this game. Auburn's going to get better. They're going to find a quarterback. They're going to get some receivers, one in recruiting and in the portal. You know what all these quarterbacks putting their name in the, in the portal. You got to feel like Auburn's going to go after one. And I'm just going to throw something out there. And I actually saw SEC Networks, I know she's Auburn alum, Taylor Davis, put this on social media on Monday. Now, with Mike Elko going to Texas A&M, going from Duke to Texas A&M, we see this a lot. Players or coach leaves, and then somebody takes over, they may jump to the portal now. They got a pretty good quarterback over there, Riley Leonard, who I believe is from the state of Alabama. I'll have to double check myself on that one. And if I'm wrong, I'll come back on tomorrow's show and uh, clarify that. But that would be somebody, if I was you Freeze, I'd look at because I feel like Robbie Ashford is transferring out. I just do. Um, I just, I just see it that way. Who knows what's going to happen with Peyton Thorne? Does he stay or does he go? We'll see what happens there. Holden Garner, he's there. Is he the guy? We don't know. So, Hugh Freeze is going to get a quarterback, but I think he might need another bridge quarterback to come in. Peyton Thorne was supposed to be that, I think, but maybe someone like Ryan Leonard or somebody else out there you could go get. But there's going to be plenty of players jumping into the portal uh, as we proceed. Now, as we're in, we're not really off season, but this between – End of the regular season, the championship games, Heisman and Bowls and playoffs, stuff like that. Just an interesting, interesting time. I like both hires with Mike Elko. Be interested in where he goes offense coordinator there at AM. Seemed like they were very happy with him. It was an exciting day uh, when they uh, announced him uh, officially today on Monday. And then Jeff Levy, that'd be interesting one too as well. So make it into more of that on Tuesday. So, like I said, David Schultz locked on some about what he will be joining me. It'll be a phone conversation, but he'll be joining me uh, tomorrow on the show. Anyways, guys, remember you can follow me on social media at PGeordanSCC. 
podcast available over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcast on the Wiregrass Daily News Sports feed. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I'll read it on a future edition of the show. And if you leave just four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can email me at sports.fieldjordan at gmail.com and check out check out all my root work over at Last Word on college football. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, evening, whenever you're checking the video out, uh, listen to the podcast, all that good stuff. But uh, anyways, we'll talk to you. Talk to you tomorrow uh, with David Schultz when he preview the Sun Belt Championship game. Anyways, till next time. Bye-bye.